Amen. You can be seated. Thanks so much, team, for a wonderful time there of worship. All right, I've got a couple questions for you as we get ready to turn the page into a new year, and I am going somewhere with these questions, so just trust me. Uh, but the first question is, what energizes you? So this doesn't have to be a super spiritual answer necessarily, although maybe, that, maybe that's the thing, but it could just be when you think about, hey, I need more energy in my life, where do you turn? What do you do? All right, turn to your neighbor and Give them your best answer to that question. What do, you, what do you do to increase energy? Go for it. So I realize some people are, might be saying the complete opposite answers right here in the room, right? One person might say, just a day alone, I feel better. Somebody else is saying, if I could just get with some people, I would feel energy, right? Somebody else is saying, if I would eat less, I'd probably feel better. Somebody else, I'd need to eat more to feel better. So it's very individual, right? What energizes you? So I have 10 kids, as many of you are aware, and so there's lots of different personalities in our household. And I wanted to, and I, I did get some permission to do this, but I wanted to profile two of my kids um, and just, just to notice how different their energy sources are. So Noah is one of my 17-year-olds, and he runs for Berrien Springs in the cross-country and the track programs, and he is, uh, I don't know if he'd say he's energized by running, but he certainly has the energy for running, and the lifestyle of running gives him a lot of energy, right? Now, I'm energized by thinking I have a son who's energized by running, <laughs> Um, I have been trying to follow his example and run myself, and I actually am starting to feel it. I see what people are saying. Well, like, hey, well, if you run, it actually adds energy to life. It doesn't just drain you. And uh, so Noah actually wears a watch that tells him, like, his level of energy, and somehow it's calculating heart rhythms and blood pressure and everything, and it tells you if you're spent or not. So if he gets really spent down and I ask him to do something, he say, well, Dad, I'm, I'm at 5%. I really can't help you. <laughs> Well, it's hard to argue with science, right? Um, so that's Noah. Um, Nora, who is now five, but that was her fourth birthday, um, she's a bundle of, I guess you would say, naturally occurring energy. Um, and also she leaves a trail of destruction in her wake. And so she's super sweet, super smiley. Uh, if you see her, you would think, oh, what a nice little child. But the things that you value in your life will be broken if she is anywhere near them. And, uh, and so... For her, they're about to consume a big sugary birthday cake. I think about, she just wakes up in the morning. She's already energized. Then if you add a little sugar to that equation, well, things really get, you know, unhinged. So, uh, so for all of us, it's different, right? The energy that we have. But here's something, I mentioned this a few weeks ago, but I, I wanted to circle back to it because I'm thinking about my own goals for 2024. What did I learn in 2023? And, and really something I feel like I learned personally this year is that energy is a choice. Um, I, I think I might have academically believed that previous to this year, but I probably more realistically thought someday I'll have more energy when my circumstances are better or when I feel better. And what I started to realize and this year learned was that energy is a choice we make. It, it actually starts with an attitude, not a feeling. And, and once you have an attitude that generates energy. Now, now you get to bring something to the table. And uh, so we'll get into that in a little bit, but 
I find that, that if you just meditate on that thought, that if energy is a choice, I think it, it's really transformational because so many of the things that I would make excuses for or that I would say I was too tired to do were actually not an issue of physically being tired. In fact, I needed to start moving and doing things. It was actually a mentality. It was an, it was an attitude. So once you decide to bring energy, energy to the table, that energy starts to multiply. Okay, so that's question number one. Set that aside for a second. Here's question number two. What's your relationship status heading into 2024? Okay, so I know, I know what you're thinking. You're, you're thinking about relationship like, you know, am I married or single or searching or divorced or, you know, what, what's my status? Um, but let me qualify it a little bit. Let me say this. What's your relationship status with God as you head into 2024? So what word might you use to describe your relationship with God right now as a current reality? Just think about it. Like maybe healthy, exciting, distant, non-existent, frustrated, mundane, average, willing, disappointing. What's your word? What's in your heart when you say, what's my status with God right now? Now, I believe that whatever your answer is, especially if it's in the negative somehow, there really is hope that you could wake up tomorrow and have a different status. Whatever your story is right now, you don't have to keep living it. But what I also know is that it's not going to change on its own. You'll have to bring some energy to the table if you want a different status. Okay, so think of it this way. When it comes to relationships, we get to choose the level of energy we bring with us. So you wake up in the morning, you're interfacing with your family. If you just kind of put your clothes on and slump shoulders and walk out the door, like you're not bringing any energy to the relationship, so nothing's going to happen, right? You won't have any closer connection with anyone. You won't bring any joy. You won't really add any value. Uh, but if you wake up in the morning and your eyes are open and you look at people, you think about them before you think about yourself, and you bring a little bit of your own joy and personality to the story uh, of your family, then that's going to enhance your family dynamic in that moment, right? You, you could choose to bring more energy or choose to set it all aside and be lethargic. We choose the level of energy we bring to relationships, and I would suggest that we also choose the level of energy that we bring into our relationship with God. Do you agree with that? That as much as we would say our circumstances matter, they don't determine the level of energy we bring. We have to decide whether it's good times or bad times or in sickness and in health or for richer or for poorer or whatever, whatever's going on in our life. We have to decide that, that we're going to bring energy to the table. So one thing we talk about now and again at our church is the idea of revival. Because revival is new life from God. Right? We say when, when people are either sad or disappointed or depressed or somehow they've grown distant from God, we'd say, wow, that person needs a revival. They need a fresh surge of life to kind of reanimate their Christianity, to reanimate the relationships around them, to get them back on track with their mission. So we say that's really important. In fact, here, here's a way to think of what revival is. 
Revival is fresh energy for God with power that comes from God. So there's two people involved in that equation, right? Not as God doesn't just give it to you. You bring something to the table too. You bring your energy and say, you know what? I want to say yes to God. I want to live His way. And then He empowers you supernaturally and you start to sense His presence and you get to be a part of things that are super exciting, right? Because you, you take a step. You draw near to God, He draws near to you. I think sometimes this is the thing that we need the most. So we might identify our circumstances and we'd say, well, what I really need is you know, more money next year or I really need a better job or I really need my husband to finally you know, get his act together. I re-. There's all sorts of lists of things that you and I might make about our lives and say we wish they were different. But if you were to draw it in to the heart attitudes of where your energy starts, where your, where your life is really defined, it's not in all those external things. It's actually inside of you. It's in your soul. And so when we pray for revival in our lives, when we choose to bring our best energy to the table and say, Lord, I want my relationship with you to be vibrant and rich and purposeful, God takes a step toward us and our story can change. So whatever your status is right now, I would suggest that you could wake up tomorrow morning. You could actually do it right now. You don't have to wait till tomorrow morning, but you could have all of 2024 with different descriptive words of your life, your relationship with God. If you would choose today to do the things that will lead to those different words tomorrow. Okay? So I, I wanted to walk you through in God's word a few places where people had lost relational energy and what Jesus told them to do to get it back. All right? It's really simple, but I think what, what this will do is it'll help us get a word in mind for our next year. That's not the same word for all of us, okay? God might give you a specific direction for next year, wonderful. But if you'd say, I don't, I don't really know. I don't know if I have a, some sort of theme word for next year. Uh, I wonder if you'll find one in the text we're about to study, all right? So turn in the Bible to Revelation chapter 2. In these two chapters of the Bible, Revelation 2 and 3, there are seven different churches mentioned, and Jesus gives some words of encouragement and correction to all seven of those churches, Three of them had a relationship with God problem. There was some sort of a deficiency where their status was not good. They didn't necessarily know it, but the truth was they didn't have a rich and vibrant relationship with God. They, they weren't experiencing life to the fullest or the power of God to the fullest, and so what they needed was revival. So Revelation 2, we'll read from verse 1. It says, write this to the angel of the church of Ephesus. Now, back in the day, there's a backstory to this, but angel in this text pretty much meant pastor or key leader. So just so you know, I don't take that particular title on myself. Don't call me that. Uh, it would not be true. But uh, back in the day, that's what they said. So write this to the angel of the church of Ephesus. This is the message from the one who holds the seven stars in his right hand and the one who walks among the seven golden lampstands. So in prophetic terms here, we're saying this is Jesus himself speaking to this church in Ephesus, which was a city back in Bible times, so actually the people that, were, that were received the letter from Paul called Ephesians okay, earlier in the New Testament. So then Jesus speaks to them directly in this prophecy. I know all the things you do. I have seen your hard work and your patient endurance. I know that you don't tolerate evil people. 
You've examined the claims of those who say they are apostles but are not. You've suffered or you've discovered that they are liars. You have patiently suffered for me without quitting. So this church, 30 years previous to Jesus saying this, is when they received that Ephesian letter from Paul. And Paul ended his letter by saying, grace to all of you who love our Lord Jesus with an undying love. Like This was a church known for being excited about their faith, on fire for Christ. Their hearts were all in. Okay, And so now here, 30 years later, Jesus is addressing that church and he says, look, I know all the things you do. In fact, I know what you've gone through. You've dealt with problems inside and outside your church for the last 30 years, and you've stayed strong. He says you've, you've stayed doctrinally pure, like you haven't let the false teaching, the false apostles throw you off course. And at the same time, you've suffered without quitting, because in this time, they were under intense persecution in this part of the world. And, and so there was all sorts of threat. There were lots of reasons to quit or to hang it up or to keep your faith quiet. These Ephesian Christians powered through all that. They stayed steady. They were on the straight and narrow. But verse 4, I have this complaint against you. You don't love me or each other as you did at first. Some translations say you've left your first love. Look how far you've fallen. So see, here's this Ephesian church known for how much it loves Jesus still doing the right things, still going through the motions, still believing the right things, staying strong under persecution, but losing its passion, losing its love. So if we were turning this into a sort of a test we could take, a way to make this personal, we, we might think of the Ephesus test sounding something like this. Oh, no, I need to advance on the slide there. If I don't love God or others as I once did, I need revival. If you would look back in your life and you'd say, I used to be more excited about all of this. I used to be thrilled to praise Jesus and serve him and give all I could for him and go talk about him to other people. But I still believe all that, but now it's just not the same. You, you need revival. You need a fresh fire in your heart. All right, the next church that we find, if you turn over to chapter 3, Jesus addresses a few other churches that were you know, doing some things well, had some weaknesses in some areas. We come to chapter 3, and he, he gives a message to the church of Sardis. This was another church that had a relationship energy problem. Okay, Now, in Sardis, they were known for how great the church actually was. Hey, look, read, read what it says here. Write this letter to the angel of the church of Sardis. This message is from the one with the sevenfold spirit of God and the seven stars. I know all the things you do and that you have a reputation for being alive, but you are dead. This is not a good assessment from Jesus here for this church, right? You, you have a reputation for being alive. This would have been like the popular church. This would have been the church that people would have pointed out and go, wow, they have great things going on there. Look at their worship team is just off the charts or their preaching is amazing or here's all these great things they're doing. And you could have made a long list probably. That church of Sardis looked really good on the outside. But Jesus could look past all their activity and into their heart. And what did he say? You're dead. So our test on this one would be if my Christian life is defined only by activity for God 
instead of intimacy with God, I need revival. In other words, if, if we were having a personal conversation and I said, hey, tell me about your relationship with Jesus, and you just made a long list of all the things you're doing for Jesus, I'd say those are all great things, but that's not a relationship. That's just a list of things to do. Do you actually have a connection with him? Do you love him? Or are you just really, really busy, full schedule, empty spirit? That was the case for this church of Sardis. All right, one other church that we can see had this same dynamic of not enough energy in the relationship. It's the church of Laodicea. Okay, so we go to chapter 3, verse 14. Write this letter to the angel of the church of Laodicea. This is the message from the one who's the amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of God's new creation. I know all the things you do, that you are neither hot nor cold. I wish that you were one or the other. But since you are like lukewarm water, neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. You say, I'm rich, I have everything I want, I don't need a thing. And you don't realize that you are wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. Okay, so you think things are great, and here it's like the worst case scenario possible is the actual assessment from Jesus. So here's this church that Jesus says, you're like lukewarm water, it makes me want to spit you out of my mouth. Now personally, I don't know about you, I don't really mind lukewarm water, but I do mind lukewarm coffee. Anybody with me on that? So to me, the, the, like, not only is that terrible and gross, and when I drink lukewarm coffee, I think, why am I drinking this to begin with? But then when you heat it up, it's like, oh, this is good. Um, the worst case scenario is when you, you're in an environment, kind of like here at church, where everybody's coffee cups sort of look the same. You know, if you use the styrofoam ones, and you, you, know, you might walk around, talk to some people, set it down, pick it back up, and you've, you've traversed the church a few times, and then you pick up your coffee cup, and you take a sip, and it's cold instead of hot. And in that moment, you think, wait a minute, I just poured this coffee. This is not my cup. <laughs> so now it's double gross, right? Because you don't know, this could have been your cup, like last week or yesterday, that's terrible, but even worse, it's probably somebody else's cup from a long time ago. So what in the world is festering inside there? Who knows, all right? It's a terrible feeling, and what does it make you want to do? If you're in the right environment, near a water fountain or something, spew it out of your mouth, because that's what the lukewarm coffee would be. Let's get rid of that. So Jesus says, that is how your lukewarm relationship with me makes me feel. The, the sense of being halfway committed, sort of excited, part of the way in the church but also in the world, very distracted by all the things the world is doing, not particularly focused. Jesus says, ugh, makes me sick to think of that as the status of our relationship. Especially when here these Laodiceans, they thought everything was totally fine. They didn't even see it at all. Okay, so the Laodicean test would be if I don't have the passionate energy for Christ and his purposes, I, I need revival. I need something seriously to change. So what should you do if you've been sort of attending one of those churches? Now, this is a metaphor. This isn't literally this church, right? I hope not. But if in your heart, if you would say, you know what, I actually am kind of like a Laodicean, 
I'm, I'm not really that focused on Jesus to begin with, and I'm kind of halfway in all this. I am lukewarm. That's my assessment. Or what if you say, I am like full of action and activity, but I really don't have anything behind that. It's just a list of things to do that I'm doing to impress God or impress other people, but it's not really, there's no heart there. Or what if you'd say, I, I think I'm still actually on track, like with what I believe and what I'm doing, but it's not the same as it used to be. If that's you, I want to give you some encouragement. You don't have to wake up tomorrow and keep living in that story. You can have a new 2024 if you'll decide to bring a little energy to the equation. Okay, so let's walk it through, and I'll give you not my words, but hear what Jesus actually said to these three churches, his prescription to fix what was broken. All right, and this is the key. This is how we would re-energize our relationship with God if somehow it's fallen off track. Okay, so to Ephesus, we go to chapter 2, verse 5, and here's what Jesus said. They'd left their first love. Jesus said, look how far you've fallen. Turn back to me and do the works you did at first. If you don't, rec- if you don't repent, I'll come and remove your lampstand from its place among the churches. Jesus gives three things they need to do. It's not complicated. Look at how far you've fallen. Turn back to me and do the works you did at first. And I was thinking about the works that I did at first when I was first a Christian. All the joy that represented, the the desire I had to share my faith and read the Bible and pray and show up at church and be a part of things, and I just wanted to absorb all I could. It's not that complicated, actually. If if you're missing something, you go back to to where you left off. Think about in a romantic relationship, if you're married or you're pursuing someone and you think about how when you're in love with a person, what, what sparks that love initially? Like, what are the works you do at first to even end up liking each other? Well, you probably hung out together, probably spent a lot of time communicating. I remember when I was, first met Melissa, I couldn't wait to like, spend extra time with her. I'd kind of try to angle for things to work out where I'd be in the same place that she was, or I'd end up on the phone with her for you know, a long, long time, and I'd end up kind of neglecting other things because I was talking to her so much. And um, and then as our relationship progressed and we started to get serious and we started to think maybe this is forever, I asked if I could hold her hand one day. And then after that day, wow, it felt like that was just the most natural thing in the world to do, to just keep holding hands throughout life. And, um, and that, that love grew, right, as a result of those first things that we did to connect together. But then you all know how this works in real life. Not every day is a honeymoon. Not every day is lovey-dovey, right? You start facing pressure. You start having problems. You start disagreeing about things and suddenly there could be distance between you and the person you love. You still love them. You're still faithful, but it's not quite the same. You sort of leave your first love relationship. When that happens, what should you do? Well, you go back. First, you look at how far you've fallen. You just be honest. You say, wow, things aren't what they used to be. Look at what we used to have and now what it's like now. Let's turn around. Let's change something Let's go back and do the works we did at first. You recover that first love by going back and doing what you did when you were first in love. So Jesus says to this church of Ephesus, you know how this works. Like we had a love relationship. Go back and do the thing you did at first. So the word to them is return. And maybe that's a word for you for 2024. Saying that this year is my year to return. To return to fully loving Jesus with all of my heart to return to the works I did at first, 
Okay, then the church of Sardis, chapter 3. Wow, they've got the reputation for being alive, but they're dead. Jesus says to them, wake up, strengthen what little remains, for even what is left is almost dead. I find that your actions do not meet the requirements of my God. Go back to what you heard and believed at first and hold to it firmly. Repent and turn to me again. If you don't wake up, I'll come suddenly as unexpected as a thief. Similar advice, right? Here this church, is they've, they've gotten off track. What do they need to do? Repent, come back. Jesus is inviting them. You know, even though they're almost dead, even though it's almost over, he's saying there's still hope. Just come back, repent, and be close to me again. The word to them is to wake up. Awake. Because if, if they don't awake, they'll never see their need and nothing's going to change. So awake. It's got to be different. It can't keep going this way. It's not sustainable. It's not just not physically sustainable like you'll get worn out. That might happen. But spiritually, you'll die if you don't wake up. So wake up. Maybe 2024 for you is awake. Time to take all this seriously. All right, then we've got Laodicea, the lukewarm church. If you look down to verse 19, I've got it up here on the screen because I want you to zoom in on it. It's actually not what you would expect. If, if I meet someone who makes me literally want to throw up, generally I would say I want to stay away from that person, right? I don't like pursue that person like, hey, punish me more. Like, let me hang out with you even a little bit more and make myself feel even more queasy. No, I would be running from that person, but Jesus doesn't run from us, even when we're lukewarm. What does he do? He says, be diligent and turn from your indifference. Look, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and we will share a meal together as friends. Those who are victorious will sit with me on my throne. So Jesus is willing to take you from, I want to spit you out of my mouth, all the way to come up here and sit with me on my heavenly throne. And what is he asking you to do in the middle of that whole big transformation? Just answer the door. Just focus in. Stop letting the world distract you. Stop letting everything else in life feel like it's more important than your relationship with God and actually recognize loving Jesus is what your life is for. It is your purpose in life. It's the greatest commandment in the whole Bible. Love God with all you are. So turn from your indifference and answer the door. There Jesus is graciously knocking when any of us might run away from the person who would want to make us puke or whatever. But here Jesus is still knocking on our door. He still loves us even when we don't love him. So the word to Laodicea is answer. And maybe for you in 2024, you need to answer. Jesus has been knocking. The opportunity has been there. It's now in your court. You have to bring some energy to the table now. It's not going to happen to you. Jesus has already done everything else, right? He's literally at your front door saying, I'm willing to come in. Let's be friends. Let's do life together. You can sit on my throne with me. Answer the door. So those are our words for 2024. Let's start seeking fresh energy to have a vibrant personal relationship with Jesus Christ.
There are a lot of other goals we could set, resolutions we can make, plans we can lay out for important things, right? Maybe you, maybe you do need a new job or more money or a new relationship or a, some sort of change in how your education or career is going. Those are all important goals to think about this time of year. But none of those are nearly as important as this one. Because if you miss a vibrant relationship with Jesus, you've missed the purpose of your life. And none of the other stuff will matter. So you say, Lord, I want to bring energy to that. I don't want to wait for some magic to happen. It doesn't work that way. Lord, you've already paved the way. You're already standing there. I want to move toward you. So to, to wrap up, I'd like us to turn back to the book that was written to the Ephesian church 30 years before Jesus told them they'd left their first love. And in this text, we find a prayer all about the revival that we need, all about the life and power of God being renewed inside of us. So I thought that would be a fitting beginning to a new year for us to pray right along with the Scripture right along with the Apostle Paul, say, Lord, what they needed 2,000 years ago in the churches of Ephesus, Sardis, and Laodicea seems eerily familiar to the things we need. Their circumstances were as different as could be, but their heart problems were the same. The answer's the same. So, Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14, Paul prays this. When I think of this, I fall to my knees and pray to the Father, the creator of everything in heaven and on earth. I pray that from his glorious, unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. May you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, how deep his love is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. There's a goal for 2024, to be made complete with all the life and power that comes from God. Verse 20 says, Now all glory to God who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Glory to him in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen. Your spiritual renewal, your revival, is possible. And tomorrow morning you'll wake up and you could be living a completely different life starting with a totally different attitude and be filled with a completely new source of energy from the Holy Spirit if you'll decide to answer the call of Jesus today. So I thought a way that we could conclude this service and also the end of our calendar year here as a church is to do exactly what this text says to do. If you look at verse 14, Paul wrote, when I think of all this, I fall to my knees and I pray to the Father. That's a great posture to start a new year with. And so I wanted to invite you as we close, if you're physically able to be on your knees, um, just to join me in being on your knees. You could turn around right there in your seat and go to your knees as a way of staying to God. Hey, Lord, in humility, I'm coming before you 
looking for my next step in this next year. If you can't kneel down, the Lord certainly understands that and sees your heart. Um, but I would invite you to kneel if you can, and we want to commit this year ahead to him. Lord God, it is our great honor and privilege to be your servants, to be a part of your family. We're so grateful for all the grace and love that you pour into our lives. Even as we just read, we can't even comprehend the dimensions of your love. And yet you offer it to us so freely. Lord, we, we pray that you would fill us with your Holy Spirit's power that you would energize us for the mission and purpose you have for us, that you would fill us with love in our hearts for one another, but more than that, Lord, that we would be filled with love for you. Lord, we want to bring our very best to the table, our best attitude, our best energy, our best strength, our mind, our soul, everything that's about us, Lord. We want to love you that much. I pray that you would give us in this conclusion of a year, clarity about where we've come from. If we've fallen, Lord, that we would see where we've fallen and we would turn and repent like you told those churches to do. Lord, that you would give us the strength and the clarity of what, what it is that we need to do to be restored to a rich and vibrant relationship with you. Then as we look ahead, I pray that you would guide us, that you would grow us this year, that you would help us in every way to put you first in our hearts. Lord, that we would be filled with passion and energy like we've never experienced before for the things that are the most important in life and in eternity. We look forward to doing all of that for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, well, God bless you. Thank you so much for being here. We'll see you next year.